सहनावतु सहनो भुनक्तु सह वीर करवाहे तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुमाषावे ओ शाति 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 ओम मे द लॉर्ड प्रोटेक्टस बोथ द टीचर एंड द टॉट टुगेदर बाय रिवीलिंग नॉलेज may the lord protect us both by giving us the results of knowledge may we attain vigor together let what we study be illuminating may we not cavil at each other om peace 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 so there are some newcomers for them we are studying the katopanishad this is a vedanta study group on wednesdays we study vedantic texts and now we are studying the um kathopanishad here we are on the second chapter the kathopanishad has two chapters uh, each of three sections so we are in the second chapter and we just we are about to finish the first section of the second chapter so here it goes last time we saw the 12th mantra of the second chapter 12th mantra angushta matra purusho madhya atmanitishthati ishanam bhuta bhavyasya natato vijugupsate etadvaitat that being purusha of the size of a sum resides in this body knowing him as the ruler of the past and future one does not want by virtue of that knowledge to save the self this indeed is that this is what we did last time here our real nature atman is described as being of the size of a thumb and why is that we described last time because uh, we locate him within ourselves that reality within ourselves and ourselves we feel consciousness in the mind that's of course reflected consciousness and then there is this idea that uh, the atman of the size of a thumb now how can the atman we have any size at all how can consciousness have a size let alone the size of a thumb but what is meant here is where do you feel the self where do you feel conscious within yourself within this body and that not just the body you feel it in the mind every thought emotion perception is shining with awareness now this awareness so this this mind in which we find awareness the idea in vedanta and yoga is this mind is it's located all over the body but specifically it's located in the heart and the space within the heart is of the um, you know like the space within the heart is of the size of a thumb approximately so in that sense consciousness reflected in the mind the mind supposed to be specially resident in the heart and remember this was old physiology um they they were not very aware of the role of the brain so in mo- many uh, many spiritual systems both east and uh, west uh, the heart always had a special um, a special status so within the heart the mind resides and the space in the heart is of the size of a thumb therefore consciousness limited by the mind limited by the physical space of the heart is of the size of a thumb in that sense so the purusha of the size of the thumb the the word purusha itself it means consciousness i mean in ordinary indian languages in our uh, you know the languages which are used these days purusha means the male uh, a man or a male but here in philosophy it means ourself anybody male female live um, human animal whoever the conscious self the sanskrit derivation would be purishayanatiti purusha the one which resides which reclines within this city which city the city with the nine gates the city of the body with you know uh, the various get, gates of the sense organs so this is compared to a city and in this city who who lives purusha Uh, the one who not only lives lives in royal style reclines a bit of a couch potato so uh, the one who resides here actually so that's called purusha um 
where does it stay? Madhyatmani Tishtati, in the center of the body, located in the center of the body. What is this? Our real nature, consciousness. And yet immediately it is identified with God. Ishanam Bhuta Bhavdhyasya, the Lord of the past and the present. Who is the Lord of time? God, the power behind the cosmos, the, the power which created and presides over space and time. Uh, so Ishanam, Isha means Lord or God. Bhuta Bhavya, past and present, and past and future. So past, present, and future, the Lord of time. That is identified with the, um, the consciousness in the mind of the size of a thumb, in the heart. So basically what it means is that thou art. This is a Mahavakya, telling you the identity between the microcosm and the macrocosm. That which you feel as an individual, um, as a consciousness within, I am this individual being. And that which is the cosmic eye, which is the eye identified with the entire universe, is one and the same. This is the central teaching of Advaita Vedanta. That thou art, Tattvamasi. Then next. The same idea of a thumb-sized self is continued in the 13th mantra. Angushtamatra purusho the Purusha, who is of the size of a thumb, is like a light without smoke. He is the ruler of the past and the future. He exists today and he will exist tomorrow. This indeed is that. The same idea that consciousness limited by the mind located for the purpose of our understanding in the space of the heart. Remember, the mind is spread all over the body, but it's supposed to be specially located in the heart. And in the mind, there is awareness, which we feel right now. We feel the body. We feel the mind. We look inside. Everybody feels thoughts, feelings, perceptions. And in, that, in those thoughts, feelings, perceptions, there's always awareness. We are always aware. Up to this much, we all know. Body, mind, reflected awareness. But I am the, the one who is reflected in the mind as awareness. That's what Vedanta wants to point out. And that's the first thing, that we are witness consciousness. Not the body, not the mind, and not even the reflected awareness in the mind. But we are the witness consciousness. And that witness consciousness is the same as the God of this universe. Same witness consciousness with the Upadhi, with the associate of Maya, becomes the God of this universe. Same witness consciousness with the Upadhi, or associate, or in, Sanskrit, in English it is translated as adjunct. With the Upadhi of this body and mind becomes Sarva Priyananda. With that body and mind becomes uh, X or Y, other people. Everybody, we are all the same one consciousness associated with one body-mind, uh, separate bodies and minds. But the same consciousness associated with all bodies, all minds, and all of Maya is God. But actually, it is the same consciousness. So, Ishano Bhuta Bhavyasya, again, Ishano Bhuta Bhavyasya means God, who is the um, master, the lord of the past and the future. The one who knows all past and all future. God knows everything that has happened to us in the past. Krishna says to Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita, you and I both have had many births and all these kings. We have been born, uh, you have had many births and deaths. You remember none of them. I remember them all. So God rem remembers not only his, so what is God's birth? I mean, those are the incarnations. When God comes as incarnations, so God knows all of that. But God also knows everything about us. So it's omniscient. Now that omniscient God of the universe, the reality behind the macrocosm, and this individual consciousness, the reality behind a reality illumining this one body-mind, they are one and the same reality. That is the central teaching of Advaita Vedanta, oneness. Ishano Bhuta Bhavyasya. Then how beautiful it says, Sa eva adya saushvaha. That Lord, that consciousness was, uh, is there today and will be there tomorrow. Simple, but powerfully poetic. It means eternal. And not eternal in the sense of a changing eternal. 
This universe is there today and the universe will be there tomorrow. In fact, this body also is there today and will be there tomorrow, hopefully. And this mind is there today and certainly will be there tomorrow. It will be there until we become enlightened. So bodies, minds, this entire world, universe, all of them persist. But they persist as a changing reality, continuously changing. Things are coming and going. Uh, bodies are uh, aging, dying, being born and growing. And the universe is going through cycles of creation, existence and destruction. So a changing, like a stream, is called Parinami Nitya. Ever changing, eternal, going on like a river. A river persists, but every moment drops of water are not the same. They're all passing through like in a torrent. So he says, it's not like that. Your real nature is not like that. Uh, it is uh, absolutely real and eternal beyond any possibility of change. So, sir, eva, adhya. It's exactly like that. Endless, limitless consciousness today. Sir, ushwa. And certainly tomorrow also. Today and tomorrow. This lifetime and next lifetime and next lifetime and maybe no more lifetimes. But consciousness is the same. This universe, next universe, same. You are that eternal reality. Etadvaita. This is what you had asked for. He's telling Nachiketa, this is what you had asked for. I want to just read out some comments made by Shankaracharya on this um, mantra. You know, Adi Shankaracharya wrote these Sanskrit commentaries called Bhashya on these Upanishads 1,400 years ago. And thanks to that, we understand all this. Whatever I am saying and whatever Masters has been teaching for more than 1,000 years is primarily based on Shankara's commentaries. So, one point he makes here is, you are this thumb-sized huh? consciousness in the mind, in the uh, thumb-sized space of the heart, so the thumb-sized deity within the heart. And then he says, like light, flame without smoke. So again, such a simple but powerful poetic expression. Jyotiriva adhumaka. Eva means as if. It's not, you're not really a flame. There's no really any question of smoke. But what it means is pure consciousness. Jyotiriva adhumaka. Consciousness without is technically without upadhis. You know what upadhis are? I mentioned them earlier. Um, so this is a very uh, interesting and important construct in Advaita Vedanta. It helps us to understand what's going on. You are pure consciousness. That's it. You're beyond any trouble, uh, any sort of change, any birth or death, any disease, any ups and downs. But then what happens is, these upadhis arise. Upadhis, these are constructs of maya. They are names and forms. They have no reality other than maya, other than you, the Atman. But you appear in these forms. What are these upadhis? Mind, intellect, the subtle body, and the physical body. Now, what do these upadhis do? They have an interesting effect. The example, the best example of upadhis is a crystal, colorless crystal, transparent. And you bring a red flower in behind it. So if you look at the crystal from the front and the red flower is behind it, the crystal will appear red. Without the slightest tinge of red actually in it, it will look blood red. You bring a yellow flower behind it, the crystal will appear yellow. And though slightest bit of color has not changed, still remains colorless. Before the flower and after the flower, still colorless. During the change of the flower also from red to yellow, still colorless. But it looks like that. So the idea of an upadhi is that which by its proximity appears to transfer its qualities to an entity. Uh, um, in Sanskrit, samipe sthitva suyan gunan adhatte remains in proximity and uh, seems to transfer its qualities. So the flower is in proximity to the crystal and seems to, as if, makes the crystal red the crystal yellow without actually doing anything. Similarly, you are pure consciousness like the crystal. A mind appears, subtle body. And now you, the pure consciousness, you seem to be thinking and remembering and desiring and uh, feeling happy and hurt and expectant and miserable. You, the consciousness, you seem to be awake. You seem to be dreaming. You seem to be in deep sleep. All of that is upadhi. 
most powerful upadi is mind subtle body and more physical more gross than that is the physical body so the subtle and physical body are the upadis bereft of all upadi like a flame without smoke is your real nature jyoti riva dhumaka pure consciousness without any upadi so you see the word upadi is it packs a lot into it we can see how useful and explanatory device it is for advaita vedanta yeah. they are not real in themselves but they appear because of maya and they seem to make tremendous changes in you though nothing happens really you're still safe and this still safe i remember this sadhu monk in himalayas put it so nicely he said you are always safe how do we know that and then in hindi he sharply told the person who was asking aap ho na abhi tak to ho you are there aren't you even now you are there what do you mean you were there here, here you were there yesterday you were here yesterday and you were here the day before and 10 years ago and 50 years ago and before your birth through many lifetimes you've been there nothing has been able to kill you nothing has been able to destroy you very interesting nothing can destroy you because you are the atman that's your real nature that is the meaning of that one is here today and that one will be there tomorrow you are actually safe there is nothing in this world of maya which can destroy you or even damage you all the so called trauma unhappiness upadi mind proof it disappears the moment the upadi changes the moment you go to deep sleep and the mind shuts down all trauma and damage disappears or later in old age when parkinson's or uh, uh, what do you call um, alzheimer's affects the brain then affects the functioning of the subtle body all memories good and bad begin to disappear consciousness remains undimmed so upadhi and upadhi is fun see upadhi is not at fault upadhi is not a villain mind is not a villain body is not a villain even the world is not a villain and the proof is that enlightened people live here in this world in bodies and minds and have a very fulfilled and happy life without any problem whatsoever what is the problem is not knowing who we are problem is ignorance and the solution is knowledge you know that you are pure consciousness this consciousness this flame without smoke you are that shining in this body in the mind and um you are the same one the same consciousness with maya you are the god of this universe you are perfectly all right all the time sayeva adya adya means today it is exactly like that pure consciousness today like that sadhu said aap ho na yahan you are here isn't it and believe you me you will be there i mean this may sound shocking to say at the point of the death of our body in this lifetime when this body goes we will know the truth of this if you keep it in mind am i still there seeing the death of this body yes i have no doubt that we will have this experience and then we will know if we are blessed to be aware and cognizant at that time we will, the knowledge requires the activity of the mind we will know that uh, we did not die the death of the body and so the vedanta class was right <laughs> yes so the knowledge of who we are that's what's required upadhi has no fault even in buddhism it's pointed out that although the way it is put is all is suffering sarvam dukham or all is dissatisfaction and one must get out of this dissatisfying state of things but then again if you look deeply where does the buddha live where does the bodhisattva live here itself here in this samsara and yet the claim is that they have overcome suffering so they have overcome suffering remaining in samsara in the midst of a body mind purusha dwelling in the midst of a body mind and it is possible to overcome suffering and that happens through bodhi through enlightenment so ultimately it's not the fault of a samsara not not exactly samsara it's the fault of samsara but it's not the fault of jagat the universe it's not the fault of a body it's not even the fault of the subtle body or mind it's just ignorance
Then Shankaracharya makes another observation. He says, Anena Naya Mastiti Jaike Ityayam Paksha. Um, so, so the Shruti, the Upanishad, is answering something, a question which was raised long ago. We might not remember, but the Lord of Death has a long memory. He remembers what the little boy Nachiketa asked. The question which he asked, the third boon. About death, some say there is something after death. Some say there is nothing after death. That some say there is nothing after death. That doubt long, long ago in the first chapter, uh, in the, the beginning, the little boy had asked, now Yama is answering. As if by his own words, he's, he's answering, no, there is something after death. It is here today. That which is here today is also there tomorrow. And also he is answering another question. Um, Shankaracharya says, Shanamangavadascha Pratyuktaha. So a Buddhist philosophy, a strong Buddhist philosophy of momentariness. So everything is momentary. Um, anityam, anityam, sarvam anityam. Impermanent, impermanent, all is impermanent. Not only impermanent. Kshanikam, kshanikam, sarvam kshanikam. Momentary, momentary, all is momentary. And then not only momentary. Shunyam, shunyam, sarvam shunyam. Empty, empty, all is empty. And therefore, because it is impermanent, because it is transitory, and because it is empty, therefore, dukkham, dukkham, sarvam, dukkham. Those who do not know this real nature, impermanent, transitory, and empty nature of things, for them, this, this world becomes samsara, it becomes dukkham, suffering. But of the absolute reality, where the Buddhist is silent, that Shankaracharya is saying, the Upanishad has uh, answered. Remember, Upanishad was long before Buddhism, long before the Buddha. So, it is not chronologically in answer, but here is a principle which answers that doubt. He says, pratyuktaha. The doctrine of momentariness also is set aside. As far as the ultimate reality goes, it's not momentary. It's not a stream. It's absolutely real and unchangingly so. So, that's what has been said. Then the last two mantras of this um, chapter of this section one mantra is a criticism of the one who sees who's in ignorance and sees difference and the second mantra is a praise of the enlightened one who sees oneness remember oneness was the theme of this section so let me read those two mantras Fourteen. Yathodakam durge vrishtam parvateshu vidhavati evam dharman prithak pashyan tane vanu vidhavati. As water rained on an inaccessible height gets dispersed on lower hilly regions, similarly, one who perceives the self selves differently runs after them only. So here's an example used. Two examples will be used. One to indicate what happens if you're not enlightened, if you see just difference in this world. So the example is rain is falling, water is falling on a craggy peak, in a mountainous peak. And what happens? It runs down in streams and rivulets and gets dispersed everywhere. Let's say it's lost. It's, it's um, integrity is lost. Uh, exactly like that, the one who sees difference will run into this world, you know, will be, will be lost in this world, will flow from lifetime to lifetime, from birth to death, from death to death, which Yama has already warned. This, is, this happens to those who see difference, who regard themselves as separate from the universe, who don't see the underlying oneness. But, but what about the ones who see oneness? For them, it is said, the last mantra, Yatodakam shuddhe shuddham Asiktam tradrigeva bhavati evam munir vijanata atma bhavati gautama. O Gautama, he's addressing Nachiketa. As pure water poured on pure water becomes verily the same, 
so also does become the self of the man of knowledge who is given to deliberation on the self. All right. Let me just go to Shankara's commentary. What was said here, the second example was given. Instead of water falling on a mountainous peak, imagine water falling, pure water falling on pure water. What pure water um, falling on maybe a lake of pure water. As they merge and they become virtually indistinguishable, you can't find out which droplet came from the uh, sky as rain and which droplet was already in the lake. It's all one mass of pure water. So also happens to the uh, one who understands the nature of the self, who meditates upon it, who stays with this understanding, which has been imparted now. That means this one becomes one with Brahman. Becomes one with Brahman, one must be careful. The example one must not misunderstand. You are not a drop of uh, rain falling from the sky into the lake of Brahman and becoming one with Brahman. You are Brahman. This kind of language or poetry is used by Vedantic masters. But don't get into the idea of merging, you know. Um, now I'm half merged, three-fourths merged, now 100% merged. Uh, I'm on my way there. No, you are Brahman. But it's, it's a good way of uh, explaining. It's very poetic and a very nice way of explaining. So in one case, one who sees difference, like water scattered down a mountain uh, valley, lost. And in another case, merging into endless, a vast lake, pure water into pure water, you realize that you are the infinite and you're freed from the, the mad rush of samsara. You're freed from that. All right. Now, let me just... Yes. So Shankaracharya says in his introduction to the last mantra, Yasya Punaha Vidyavata Vidhvasta Upadhi Krita Bheda Darshanasya Vishuddha Vigyana Ghana Ekarasa Ekarasam Advayam Atmanam Pashyato Vijanato Munehe Mananashilasya Atma Swarupam Katham Sambhavati. So the one who, because of knowledge, Vidyavata, the one who through Shravana Manana Nididhyasana, through hearing these teachings, thinking about them and dwelling on them, what happens? Vidvasta Upadhi Krita Vidvasta Upadhi Krita Bheda Darshanasya. So Bheda Darshan, the one who sees difference. Why do we see difference? We, uh, because of the presence of the Upadhi. But what, have, what about this person, the enlightened one who, have, who has heard this Upanishad? For that person, Vidvasta Upadhi Krita Bheda Darshana. Vidvasta means demolished, destroyed, annihilated. This difference is annihilated. Now one must be careful here. It's not that they, the enlightened one literally sees something different. If the enlightened one has eyes, we'll see form. If the enlightened one has ears, we'll see, hear sound. Just like us, as we uh, see, um, hear, smell, taste, touch, the same enlightened one also will hear, smell, taste, touch. The perception of uh, difference will continue. You will see you have one body and the other person has another body. You will continue to see um, uh, men, women, uh, sky, earth, all of that. But the idea that they are different from you, that strong conviction, I am this limited little being, and this entire universe is different from me, that will disappear. You will have clarity that it is one reality and you are that oneness. This oneness will be clear. So what will be demolished? The drishti, the, the, pers the perspective that they are all different. This which is natural to us, that will go away from the enlightened one. Physically, they'll keep seeing the same thing. So the perception of difference will continue, of course. Uh, but otherwise, how can anyone, anyone function? So multiplicity will continue to appear before the enlightened one, just like it appears before us. But we take it to be real and we act like that. I like this imagery of, um, uh, you know, we experience the world because of this 
thinking that difference is real, we experience the world like a cat looking at a mouse. I'm going to eat it up now. Nice little mouse, I'm going to eat it up. Temptation. Or the opposite, like a mouse looking at a cat. It's going to eat me up. Terror. See, the mouse sees the cat as a source of terror and anxiety. That's one way we look, up, look at the world. What's going to happen to me? COVID. Job market is terrible. The stock market is terrible. Um, relationships are not going well. And children don't listen to me. And all this old age is coming. So many problems. That's the cat staring at us. And we are like a little mouse. Afraid. Being hunted down. And ultimately, of course, death is there. The Lord of Death, the Master here, the Lord of Death is there. Absolutely guaranteed. Whether Vedanta, Buddhism, Christianity, Atheism, Science, whatever you believe in it or you don't believe in it, one thing we know without any doubt, death is waiting for us. More certain than any philosophy, religion, spirituality. So all of that is waiting, like the cat, waiting to pounce on us, like a little mouse. And at the same time, the opposite. There's so many things here which I want. I am a cat and there's a little mouse here which I want to catch hold of. Pleasure, success, approval, all of these things. Uh, but this is only for the one who sees difference. For the enlightened one, this is not there at all. There is, he says earlier, mantra, it says, does not seek to protect oneself. There is completely free of anxiety. You know you cannot die. You know you cannot be damaged. You know that you cannot get and need not get anything from the world or from people. They really cannot give you anything substantial. And you need not. You don't need anything from people. You cannot lose anything. Anything that is, that is real. Everything that happens, getting and losing, is upadhi, an appearance in you, the consciousness. This distortion created by the upadhis is lost, is, is erased for the one who is who has got this knowledge. Then what does, if this, there is difference created by Upadhi is not seen, then what is the knowledge of this enlightened one? Vishuddha vijjana ghana ekarasam adhvayam atmanam pasyataha. The one who knows, knows what? What is it that this person knows which makes such a huge difference? He says, atma, the self, the real nature of the self. What is the real nature of the self? Adhvayam, non-dual. Multiplicity is appearing. But you know for sure, sure that not one person here, not one living being, not one entity, non-living being is actually different from me. Just like everything in a dream is not different from you, the dreamer. Everything in this universe, everybody in this universe is one with you. They're not different from you. So, advayam, non-dual. There is no second reality in this universe apart from you. Samarasam, yes, but no second. But when they appear, there are so many differences. No, there are no differences at all. They are one uniform, like a uniform ocean of water. You check the top, the bottom, the middle, side, left and right. It's the same water. Similarly, you check this person, the most beloved person, the stranger, the so-called enemy, the sky and the earth and the wind and fire and water, health and illness, success and failure. Samarasam, one homogeneous, unchanging existence consciousness place. And yet the, the fun is you can see all of that and appreciate all of that. Just like, how is that possible? Just like a movie. When you see in a movie, there are characters, there's the hero. But the hero is where you see the hero. If you go and touch that place, you get only the screen. There's nothing else. And there is the villain. There is the car chase. There are dinosaurs if it's Jurassic Park. And there is King Kong if it's a King Kong movie. There is a space and the ocean. Whatever is there you touch, you just get the screen and nothing else. There's one uniform reality running through all of that. And by the extraordinary power of Maya, that appears as sight, sound, smell, touch, taste, thought, desire, hatred, Ekarasam, one homogeneous existence. So, one uh, uniform. Uniform what? Vigyana ghana. Ghana means solid, packed with consciousness. We think consciousness is such a light, ephemeral, abstract thing. No, no, no. It is the, it is the densest of all things. So, Swami, what do you mean? Is it solid? If, if solid is like gas compared to consciousness, because 
all solids, liquids, and gaseous substances, all the tiniest and the mightiest substances, whatever is you experience in the universe, the most dense diamond and the most brittle coal, all of them are appearances in consciousness. Really speaking, they are none other than consciousness. This universe of your experience is packed through and through with consciousness, with jnana. It's packed through and through with you. Vishuddha. Vishuddha means pure. Pure in the sense, there's actually nothing other than consciousness here, where it appears to be an extraordinarily diverse universe, filled with entities and actions and good and bad, ups and downs. And yet there's nothing other than consciousness here. So that's the beauty of it. That one non-objective, pure subject consciousness appearing as this extraordinary diversity of this universe. If one has this knowledge and one stays with it, one can enjoy it. There is no more samsara. One has a place of refuge. Then, When you are very disturbed by samsara, come back to this real nature of yourself, the flame without smoke. That which is today and that which shall be tomorrow. That which is one with the Lord of past and present and future. For whom? Pashyatav, the one who sees. Sees me, literally sees. sees. Literally seeing, everybody sees the same thing. Vijanat, the one who knows. Who is this one? The sage. Munehe, Muni. Muni means a sage. Um, literally, it comes from manana, to think. The one who dwells on this knowledge. is not even saying you're enlightened. He dwells. He has, this knowledge has been given to us. Please stay with it. Dwell on it. And then, Shankaracharya ends with an exhortation. Tasmat, therefore. Therefore what? Kutarkika, bhedadrishtim, nastika, kudrishtim, chaujitva. Therefore, give up the differences, the vision of differences set up by the dualistic philosophers. He is uh, pointing towards Nyaya and other philosophers who are realists, pluralists. They say that ultimately it's the universe of difference and difference is real. There is no underlying oneness, no non-duality. It's ultimately all the way down, it's difference. So he says, give that up, that perspective of difference. Then, Nastika Kudrishtim, and the evil or um, perverted philosophy of the, the uh, Nastikas, the non-believers. Technically, Nastika means those who do not believe in the Vedas, do not accept the Vedas as a source of spiritual knowledge. So that excluded materialists, Charvakas. It excluded Buddhists. It excluded Jainas, who were not orthodox uh, Vedantins. But that doesn't hold ground here, because... Among the orthodox uh, Vedantins, there are many, many who uphold, uphold difference. Um, the dualistic Vedantins, they uphold the important that it is a universe of differences, not oneness. On the other hand, there are Buddhists, uh, say, for example, among the Tibetan Buddhists, for example, uh, and among certain Mahayana practices who, who uphold the ultimate oneness. So the Buddha nature or the what they call the basic space of awareness. There is oneness there. So Nastika here just means um, materialistic, those of perverted um, perspectives. Ujjitva, rising above it, giving it up, giving up these, um, these perspectives, these points of view. What do you listen to? Please listen to what the Lord of Death is telling us. Please listen to what the Upanishad is telling us. So he makes a very passionate um, appeal. Matri Pitri Sahasribhyo Api Hiteishana Veda Vedena Upadishtam Atma Ekatva Darshanam Shanta Darpehi Adharaniyam. says, please accept, please um, entertain this teaching, please absorb this teaching, please give due respect to this teaching. Uh, who has, what is this teaching? Atma Ekatvadarshanam, the teaching of oneness. What oneness? The universe is one with you. Atma Eka, the one self. You are that one reality and the universe is one with you. So, I mean, Vivekananda says in one place, he says in one place that um, oneness is the only true religion there is. So you find this core teaching in some way or the other in every religion, in some way. 
but mostly in, in the most soaring and sublime language in Advaita Vedanta. So this teaching of oneness and the oneness is with you, your real nature. Who has given this? Vedena Upadishtam. The Vedas have taught this. What kind of Vedas? Matri Pitri Hiteshina. Those who are your well-wishers. What kind of well-wishers? More well, more, a greater well-wisher. Your uh, well-wishers who are, who, are, um, who are more your well-wisher than thousands of mothers and fathers. So who's really your well-wisher? Your mom and dad. But imagine all the moms and dads we have had from lifetime to lifetime. Thousands of, or even this now in this lifetime. There are so many here who are moms and dads. And how much, imagine how much love and good wishes you have for your children. Uh, imagine putting it all together. But more than all of that are the Upanishads uh, who with greatest solicitude for our, our welfare, our ultimate welfare, are giving us this teaching of oneness. Please take it to heart. Shanta darpehi. Uh, he says, relax. <laughs> Shanta means relax. Darpa means Pride, ego, I understand, I know. No, you don't. What do you mean, I don't know? Well, it, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Uh, look at your own life. Tell yourself honestly that I, I, I am enlightened, I am a Buddha, I, am, I don't need to listen to anybody else, I'm fine. No, we are not. We have been trying to make ourselves fine, it's not working. Therefore, as Americans would say, cool it, cool it, buddy. Shanta darpa, darpa means ego. Uh, that means pride, uh, arrogance. Cool that arrogance and listen carefully to what is being take, taught here. Thousands of years ago, this was taught. Um, it, it was already ancient before the Buddha was even born. Buddha, Buddha was born 2,500 years ago. These teachings were already uh, really ancient by that time. A thousand years or 2,000 years before that. So he ends this uh, section on this note. Let me just quickly, very quick, within a few minutes, summing up what's been done in this section. It was a powerful section. I'm talking about chapter two, first section. Dvitiya Dhyaya Pratamavalli. The first mantra, there are many notable mantras here. The first mantra here is often quoted. Paranchikani Vyatrinat Swayambhu Tasmat Parang Pashyatinantaratman did we read the last verse? Yes, we read the last verse. Yathodakam shuddhe shuddham asiktam tadri geva bhavati evam munir vijanata atma bhavati gotama. So the first verse of this uh, section. It says, our real problem is our sense organs are, as it were, turned outwards. And therefore, we see this external world. There is indeed no other world for us. World for us is people, is places, is the sky and the earth which surrounds us. Things to eat and things to listen to and see and touch and enjoy. And this body. And even the mind. Oh, but the mind is inside, isn't it? So it's not looking outside. No, no, no. Even the mind is outside. It's outside to you, the consciousness. So we, we are extroverted, endlessly extroverted. Even if we did pay attention to the mind, that would be good. But we don't do that either. So we are flowing outwards as it were. And therefore, it, this mantra says, he says, Nantaratman. We don't see the inner self. We don't see the reality about ourselves. Vivekananda would often say with a touch of pathos in this country, if only you knew yourself as you truly are. If only you knew yourself as you truly are. But we don't because of this outward flowing nature. Then what do you have to do? Make a big effort. Some heroic seeker realizes one's true nature, who we truly are. How do you do that? Avritta Chakshu, literally shielding the eyes, stopping the outgoing tendency, not literally shutting the eyes, but uh, reversing it, stepping back. One sadhu put it very nicely. In, uh, he said, So spiritual practice is always done 
oh monk, spiritual practice is always done by stepping back a little. So you need to step back a little. So this is turning inwards. So warning, this continuous engagement with the world is what traps us in samsara. Then the next thing is then who are we? When we step back, suppose I do step back and look inwards. What, I mean, what am I looking for? What will I find? The third mantra tells us. This is a classic Advaitic, the step one, I am pure consciousness. Not body, not mind, I am pure consciousness. Step one. Yena rupam rasam gandham shabdhan sparshan sanitunan ete naiva vijanati kimatra parishishyate etadvaitat by which you see forms, you hear sound, you taste, you smell fragrance, you touch. So the experience of touching, smelling, tasting, seeing, which one? Throughout our days, whenever we use any senses and get any kind of first-person experience, which are now qualia, notice one thing, that it always feels like something. What it feels like changes from experience to experience. You taste a cookie, it tastes like something. You taste um, a savory snack, it tastes like something else. But in both cases, one thing was common you got a first-person experience, a conscious experience. That which enables us to have, to experience life itself. In fact, one of the leading neuroscientists, Christoph Koch, his newest book is called The Feeling of Life Itself. He's talking about consciousness. What is consciousness? The feeling of life itself. It's exactly what he's saying here. What is your life? What do, we, what do I mean by life? If you ask, tell me, just show me what you mean by your life. Not the biochemical processes. What do you mean by your life? How, do you, how are you experiencing life? We are experiencing it as a stream of um, experiences. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, remembering, desiring, hating, um, action, exerting, waking, dreaming, deep sleep. That's how we are experiencing it. He says, all of this is possible because of one thing. That by which you see, hear, smell, taste, touch, that maitunan, every contact with the sense on the object, every pair, the contact of the pair, which gives rise to experience. By that, so by this one consciousness alone, all of this is possible. Of course, consciousness, then mind, body with senses and object, but without the consciousness, blank. None of this would be possible. So this is the first step. And here, many, many techniques have been developed later in Vedanta to isolate yourself as witness consciousness and to appreciate, I am the witness consciousness, which makes possible every experience of life. And the objects keep changing, the body keeps changing, the senses keep changing, the mind which examines and generates these experiences keeps changing. That witness consciousness, not an object, pure subject, does not change, does not arise, does not change, does not disappear. That I am. But this is not enough. Because if you do this, you will end up with the fe feeling that, um, so I am separate from the entire universe. There is a world out there. There is a body out there. There is a mind out there. And I am consciousness. You get this feeling. But that's not Advaita Vedanta because it's not oneness at all. Not only that, we get the, a kind of intuitive feeling that all right, I am the witness consciousness in this life, in this complex body-mind. But there's so many such complexes here, so many bodies and minds here, it seems to be. So there must be so many consciousnesses there. So this, this thing has to be erased. No, there is one consciousness, and whatever is, seems to be separate from that consciousness is nothing but an appearance in that consciousness, not a countable second. So the next mantra, fourth one says, Waking, dreaming, deep sleep. That consciousness which makes possible your waking, dreaming, deep sleep. He says in the fourth mantra, Mahantam Vibhumatmanam. This very consciousness is also the Atma, is the consciousness behind God. It is one and the same. This is the famous Mahavakya, Tattvamasi, you are that. You the pure consciousness, who are the light in this life, in your life. You are the light of your own life. You are the light of the universe as God. You are the one light. Then starts a whole series of mantras 
which establishes oneness. What kind of oneness? Very quickly again, I will not explain. Our entire universe of diversity has fundamentally two kinds of, uh, there's, a, there's a fundamental division into two things, subject and object. I and this. And um, this, the, the microcosm and the macrocosm. I, the little one, and this vast universe. And in both the microcosm and macrocosm, this diversity has three levels. The gross physical level, the subtle level, and the causal level. So for example, in ourselves, it's easy to appreciate. This physical body is the physical level, level one. Within this physical body, we have experience of mind and emotions and perceptions and memories, subtle. So that's a subtle level. Beyond that, in deep sleep or in samadhi, we still exist as individuals, but in a causal state. So I, the individual, I have these three levels, physical, subtle, causal. Similarly, the macrocosm, the entire universe, has the three levels, the physical, the entire physical universe with all living beings in it. And the subtle, all minds, all of our minds, like linked like a cosmic mental uh, internet. And beyond that, a cosmic causal level. And there are names for these. I just tell you the names, won't explain. You, the consciousness in association with the individual subtle level, causal level, you're called pragya experienced in deep sleep. You, that consciousness, in association with the individual causal and subtle levels is called taijasa, experienced in dream, level, dream sleep. You, the individual consciousness associated with the causal, individual causal level, subtle level, and a physical body, you are called vishwa, which you are experiencing right now. All of us, each of us individually. And at the cosmic level, the three are called consciousness associated with uh, the causal level is Ishvara. Uh, at the subtle level, Hiranyagarbha, cosmic mind. And at the physical level, this entire universe with consciousness is Virat. And yet, um, it is one reality. At the level of Virat and uh, uh, Vishwa, at the level of Hiranyagarbha and Taijasa, at the level of Ishvara and Pragya, underneath it all, always exists this one thread of unity. It is one reality. So even when it appears as a causal cosmic and individual, as a subtle um, cosmic mind and individual mind, as a physical cosmic being and individual little being, it's still one reality. And behind it is one consciousness, which you are. But that was established. The next, it warned. A warning against not persisting in the stage of uh, ignorance. What is the characteristic of the state of ignorance? Seeing difference, seeing change, not seeing the underlying oneness. There's no harm in seeing the movie. The harm is in thinking the movie is reality. So this life can continue. Lifetimes can also continue. But if you see that it is one Brahman and you are that, then you are free. If you do not see that, Yama gives a, a dire warning. From death to death he goes. I shall chase him down from lifetime to lifetime and kill this one, the ignorant one. Not once, again and again and again. Not only kill this one, the other, even more terrible, snatch away from this one, uh, his or her beloved ones. Uh, Parents, fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives and children and grandchildren. How many times con um, you know, in contact, in union, how many times separated? And this will go on until you realize your oneness with the universe. You, you realize the, the one Atman, realize that you are Brahman. So very powerful section um, talking about oneness. That's the main theme of this section. Good. Now, Rekhaji says, as the mind is the upadhi, it seems ignorance is in the upadhi. Correct. It's an important point. The dualists throw this charge at the Advaitin. Look, you may say that, all right, there is no real bondage. There's no real world. It's all an appearance. All bondage is due to ignorance. So at least ignorance is there. You have to admit it. You, the self, are in ignorance. How can you, who are Brahman, you're one with God, how can you be in ignorance? Well, the answer is, Exactly what Rekhaji has said here. 
ignorance is not in you it's in the upadi it's it's in um, in the mind ignorance is the mind knowledge will come in the mind and remove the ignorance in the mind showing the ever your ever free nature so this is the paradox of it as long as knowledge does not arise because of that uh, upadhi and the ignorance in the upadhi we think i am in ignorance and then i am a body mind and i have samsara just like the crystal which appears red as you said the redness is in the flower not in the crystal that's what rekha ji is saying correct andrew says 15 seems the most beautiful verse i have heard what was 15 as water pure water rains into a vast pure lake pure water into pure water and so so do you become when you become enlightened great insight shared by swami akhandananda himself when jeeva atma conditioned by limitation of little individuality tries to merge itself through bhakti with the limitless ishvara it can never fully merge with ishvara as atma tattva jeeva can never be destroyed jeeva will continue to exist as a limited being and also ishvara will continue to exist as eternal other entity for jeeva however if the jeeva through para bhakti backed by knowledge of advaita vedanta tries to merge ishvara with itself then the limited individuality will get completely destroyed atma will realize its infinitude anantata in complete identity with the brahma swarup of ishvara that is why swami ji always insists to worship one's ishta yes as one's own self this is an important point most of us we have got mantra and we have got ishta devata so don't worship the ishta devata as an external you can to begin with but ultimately as my very own as uh, the most dear as my very self that's how we worship sri ramakrishna said jejar ishta shetar atma beautiful very deep uh, point has been uh, raised by um, srinivas ji sri ramakrishna is to say um, whoever is your or whatever or whoever is your ishta devata that's yourself so now it does not seem to be so that seems to be bhakti and this seems to be a teaching of advaita and bhakti is telling me my ishta devata is krishna or rama or devi and i have to visualize devi and then meditate and have devotion that's one this seems to be quite different and here the upanishad is saying you are a flame without smoke imagine or realize yourself as this awareness pure consciousness witness consciousness how are they the two the same he points it out here they are the same uh, it's the methodology which will lead you to that re- realization which is beyond language michael bird says i view myself as brahman how do best to engage with intimate relationships those human focal points of brahman seem to view themselves and others as different more and more you view this oneness the more your relationships everything will work out it will be a very different perspective you will have a different perspective but it is a much more powerful perspective um more and more i more and more view this appearance as uniform reality especially after a vedanta lecture it feels as if they see it as all differences based on how they engage with me i ask because i feel it is very intimate these very intimate relationships with people who view themselves and others as different that tends to pull me out of my serene view of oneness it's true but there's the best place to practice and your view is more powerful because it's true it's grounded in reality and it is most beneficial to you and to others even if others view it as difference more you view it as oneness that all others are one with me um you know all ethics is based on that the golden rule of ethics to do unto others what you would expect them to do unto you uh, to behave with others as you expect them to behave with you but why because of oneness and ultimately the other is just uh, one with you it's your own self um how you will actually deal with people in intimate relationships or in um, uh, professional relationships in the community wherever that will change from perspective to perspective from situation to situation but this inner attitude can remain the same so whatever the situation however you deal with it it will be much better if it is illumined with this inner attitude this certitude of oneness life classes oh jennifer has pointed out 
live classes will uh, will cease but we have got one more class on friday after that live classes will cease for the summer assignments i am not big on assignments i think it's best to if you like uh, those of you who have not gone through uh, the earlier classes if you want a beginner set go to vedanta sara if you want the peak of the everest go to the mandukya upanishad the 69 lectures i think 69 or so lectures are there they are on audio both on youtube archives now and also i think on soundcloud so read the mandukya karika as much as you can in the summer or go to the basics vedanta sar which is helpful to understand all of this all are available online and you says water into water that is true and it's a beautiful metaphor but also caution don't think that actually i am water merging with water i am that um, limitless body of water or limitless body of existence consciousness please shweta singh it says isn't pure and quiet mind not the same as awareness um yes and no yes ultimately yes because um sri ramakrishna is to say shuddha mon shuddha buddhi shuddha atma pure mind pure intellect and pure consciousness of yourself are the one and the same thing true but that purity what that what does that purity mean it means not only the purity of the vasanas that uh, impure desires are cleansed out that's one purity second level of purity is disturbances are cleansed out so as you said quiet mind so that means already mind is serene third is ignorance is cleansed out so mala vikshepa agyana three levels of impurities are there first is what we normally call impurities a variety of conditioning negative conditioning made by the world in our lifetime that has to be cleansed out by karma yoga helps a lot purified mind second level of impurity is restless mind that that's also an impurity it has to be calmed like you said quiet mind third level of impurity the deepest level is ignorance itself is an impurity so that has to be cleansed out by knowledge meditation cleanses the restlessness knowledge cleanses the ignorance if this is what you mean by pure mind purified at all these levels then it becomes the same it is the same as atman the sanskrit word for mind is chitta chitta put one more ta there if you remove the last ta it becomes chit consciousness two words chit pure consciousness or atman our real nature chitta mind then what's the difference ta only one ta is difference and what is that ta um, takara vishaya adhyasa is the superimposition of body mind objects on the consciousness and thinking these are real that adhyasa that superimposition has to be cancelled by realizing their appearances once you realize that what what was mind now you realize it is none other than pure consciousness that's why the buddhists don't make this distinction between atma and mind they say real nature of mind they call it the real nature of the mind or basic nature of the mind shekhar says ananya bhakti and advaita gyan are not different it seems true at the deepest level bhakti love at the um, the beginning seems quite different from gyana but deepest level they lead they point to the same thing that's why someone like sri ramakrishna if you see in the gospel of sri ramakrishna when he's talking he seems to be moving from an entirely dualistic devotional worship of the divine mother or love of krishna into advaita vedanta in the in the space of one paragraph smoothly moving from dualism to non dual how is it possible because it's for him is not moving he just um enjoying he's just dancing around the central uh, realization you know expressing it this way sometimes expressing it that way sometimes but he's talking about the same thing actually rick says regarding michael birds point ramdas said if you think you're enlightened go spend a week with your parents <laughs> that's good especially people say what's the time when you get together with the parents um memorial day no which one um you you get together with relatives and parents and all thanksgiving yes thanksgiving and you should see the number of 
comments and reactions which come of how annoyed and irritated your parents relatives brothers and sisters can make you because there somebody said they know where to push the buttons they, they know and you have all these old conditionings with them and they also have it with you so you tend to behave like your past little persona with with them and that's why it's so irritating and annoying sometimes even then doesn't matter it's no big deal Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Arpanamastu